Welcome to North London is Ours, the Arsenal and Spurs podcast brought to you by Andreas and me, Aaron. Enjoy. Your eyes do not deceive you. 2020 vision. Eight games played apiece and our North London club sit proudly in first and second place in the Premier League table. This week on North London is Ours, we're discussing... Arsenal's late, late win against Manchester City and Spurs showing their resilience in a victory against Luton. Welcome to North London is ours. Good evening, Andreas. <sighs> <laughs> I wanted to keep you waiting today. Ah, oh, gosh, it is a glorious... I'm sat here in my Arsenal shirt just basking in the... In the uh, the delight to have finally beaten Man City, it's a win for football, not just for Arsenal today, mate. <laughs> what was it? A 12, 12 game consecutive losing streak until today. It's far too many L's. <laughs> it's honestly, um, I and and it just had me in such a pessimistic mood before the game. I was fully expecting uh, a, a loss. And the best I thought we could hope for was a, was a draw. Um, so I am absolutely delighted to be proven wrong. It's so funny because every Arsenal fan I've spoken to, and I include sort of yourself as well with the messages you've been saying, have been sending, yeah. you've all been so pessimistic and almost writing this fixture off before today. Whereas I just didn't see it that way. I honestly thought you had a great chance of winning. And yeah, what's behind the pessimism going into it? What the record? Um, <laughs> Apart from that, yeah, the re- I mean, I could give you a list of loads of things. For me, it's it's the record um, against them. It's the inevitability about Man City and the way they can just ruthlessly and consistently win games of football. Um, you know, I they're they're just such a, a slick well-oiled winning machine and have been for so long um and it, it, it i don't know they just just pass you into submission at times in the past and not so much in this game but yeah i i think it's it's, it's a combination of those things really and it's just you know they they have everything don't they <laughs> you know they've got a world-class goalkeeper they spent billions of pounds every year of just you know this constant investment and um you know they got the the machine up front, incredible players all over the pitch, um, and yeah, it's just it's just delightful for for as an Arsenal fan to finally see, you know, the, a win against them. It really was. It's, it's made my weekend. <laughs> I'm 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 happy for you on a personal note. I'm not saying this situation, <laughs> but I'm happy you're happy. And it yeah. was your it was your boy Martinelli off the bench, right? Yeah, I, I adore that guy. Absolutely adore him. Um, I di- I really didn't expect him to be on the bench either, and I I was um, surprised when, but to see him on the bench, and but delighted as well. And then even when he came on at half time, I, I messaged a few Arsenal fans and uh, friends and who are fans as well, and just and said, "What is this a risk?" And I was worried that um, you know maybe this is too soon because he hasn't had any minutes elsewhere and he's coming on for 45 in a very 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 big game mm. so i was um i was concerned but then 
I think someone clipped the ball out to him and in his first touch was just ridiculous. I think he tried to, it was almost like a flashy first touch. I can't recall exactly what he did. And he's facing one of the best right backs in the world, Carl Walker. And I thought, wow, yes, Gabby, you're back. And I am delighted to see you. And he just, yeah, he's just so, so, so good on that left-hand side. And I love watching him and was delighted to see him get that late, late winner. Yeah, no, obviously yeah. the goal itself, slightly fortunate, obviously, with a deflection. I think the keeper was probably going to save the, the original shot. But I must yeah. say, at that point in the game, I thought it was just drifting towards a nil-nil. Uh, like, I don't know what your take on the game was, but mm. I, I watched almost all of it, actually. I managed to catch it. And I was very, very surprised by the, the tactical setup from both teams. There was obviously a lot of respect there for one another. Um mm. I thought it was a really disappointing game overall in terms of just, I don't know, I thought, yeah. I think both teams were quite pragmatic and almost wanted to preserve not losing as opposed to winning. I don't know how, how you sort of felt. I, I completely agree about the, the pragmatism and also the not wanting to lose. I think that whether or not we're correct in what, 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 what we think, if that was the motivation, because surely they both want to win. But really, it, it did seem to me as though it was don't lose it don't lose it and I think um, I can see completely like going online um, after the uh, after the match and um, messages from other friends who watched it uh, uh, watch the game but support different clubs like a couple of Crystal Palace fans are friends of mine just like wow boring game this is awful and I I do get that Um, it wasn't your swashbuckling end-to-end basketball type game um, and I don't think it was ever going to be like that Mm. Um, especially with both teams missing significant players, I think. Um, yeah, I, I I can see why. I, I personally didn't find it boring. I found it quite interesting. But um, I was also, it was very, very cagey throughout the whole game. And there wasn't, there wasn't ever those kind of quick counter-attacks where, you know, loads of team, uh, one team commit loads of players forward. Um, and I think they were, you know, both managers and both sets of players instructed to um, err on the side of caution and not not get caught. Um, yeah, I'd I echo yeah. that. that. I mean, you often find in some of these big games against sort of uh, top six, top four, you know, uh, opposition that there's a moment in the game where things just light up and it goes end to end and mm. something happens. It just didn't really seem to, to sort of take off, but... For me, yeah. there was, you know, if we almost start from the from the first half and some of the key moments, yeah. I thought you started the game very shakily and then sort of found your way into the half. And I think, I don't know what your take is again, yeah. but I think a lot of it stemmed from maybe a bit of nervousness with the goalkeeper early on. Yeah, do you know, I, uh, for me, um, Saka, missing Saka and, and having Gabriel Martinelli as well missing, but then obviously he was on the bench, was obviously a huge point because he's been out you know he's outstanding those are our two along with a couple of others like standout players but they're, they're so dynamic and such a threat and we haven't had though that front three of Gabriel Jesus and Saka and Martinelli for such a long time mm. and when we do it's going to be quite frightening I think um but yeah I thought I thought City definitely started the the stronger they had a lot of possession were good with that possession as well and not it and that wasn't it was middle third fine towards the final third as opposed to in their own half. Um, and yet, I did find Gary Neville almost, like intolerable in, in <laughs> the beginning. 
it it was honestly I had uh, a a listener of ours uh, and a friend of mine Mo's Mo Spend Ten. You want to follow him on Twitter? He's a good gooner for any gooners that listen. Um, said that he'd mute the game, and I said, "Yeah, me too. I can't, I can't stand like there was just like this anti, and he was just trying to create this narrative about Raya being um, shaky and dodgy and." I, Literally, for me, I know you kind of agree with that somewhat, but I, I, I just thought he made, um, he gave, he gave away a poor pass, like a sloppy pass from from playing out from the back, which is part of the risk, and then he went to come and collect a cross, didn't get it, and then I think it was uh, someone had a a shot at the back post. I can't think who it was, and and then instantly Gary Neville was just on that and it really wound me up I muted it and I was like I can't listen to this you know he gives you the oh dear oh no (laughs) and it's like oh gosh shush shush please um so yeah I you know it was a promising corner he had a couple of moments um and that that really just annoyed me to be honest I found like I said I found him intolerable and I think he really needs to reflect on his (laughs) anti-Arsenal approach in some games I don't know it's clear that to, to his core, even into as deep as in his bone marrow, he dislikes Arsenal and doesn't want them to win. That, that's how I feel when I listen to Gary Neville at times. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if other, you know, do you, do you feel like that when he commentates on Tottenham games at all? Or is it just... Well, I think, yeah, I can totally see why you're, why you're saying that. And even from a Spurs perspective... When you've got your Roy Keane to Gary Neville's, they always seem to bring up the term Spursy or Spurs were soft yeah. just because at the time we were very soft in those days when we played against his team. And it's just a really tired narrative, in my opinion, now. Mm. Um, I think I, it's a good point because there's almost a bigger picture to why he might want to highlight the goalkeeper in the sense of he's, a, he's an employee of Sky and they know to get clicks on social media, to get people interested, to get talking points. Mm. The goalkeeping situation at Arsenal is unique yeah. and, is, and is one that they want to shine light on because they know it's going to benefit them in the long term because people are going to be interested in getting involved in that conversation. Yeah. So I wonder whether he's thought about it or he's been briefed to maybe, yeah, to maybe go down that route as far as the keepers. Um, yeah. Yeah, he could have done. And, you know, it confirmed it for me in the second half when Rhea was was much more steady in the mm. second half. It took him so long to praise him. And it, the other commentator on co-commentary with him was, you know, was saying positive things about his, you know, his kicking and this this kind of stuff. And any, anything else that Rhea did. And then eventually Gary Neville was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's doing much better in the second half. And I was like, wow, you really didn't want to say that. And interestingly, Arsenal obviously played midweek in the Champions League. And um, today and in the previous um, Arsenal match, whenever there was uh, an error or something, or a good save, I think, it was Reyes' save against, um, gosh, who did we play previously? It was against Spurs, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, that save. You know, they panned to Aaron Ramsdale for his reaction. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember that. Again, today, in the Lons game, there was no, no no panning to Aaron Ramsdale on the bench at all. They just got him and showed you what was happening in the game. Again today, as soon as there's mistakes or errors, they pan to Ramsdale in, in just to create this kind of narrative. But I think I think people are, are wise to these things now. Um, and I, I suppose you have to just kind of 
roll with it, don't you? You know, that's 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 what you're presented with. You have to kind of take it. But um, yeah, I thought Rhea was was not as it wasn't terrible at all. He's not Andre or Nana. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, he 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 needs to get he 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 could perform better. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think um, I think the the next. The, the next key moment, there was a, a, a clearance off the line, Declan Rice. Yeah. Um, not like diehard, desperate, like that was definitely going in. It was good, but I suppose a clearance off the line is a clearance off the line, right? Um, so, yeah, I think De- City definitely started, the, you know, that first 20, 25 minutes, definitely, um, you know, you're, you could see that you're you, you, to turn up at any club in the top four and, and start the way you did, you, that you can see why they are treble winners last year. And you can see why they they are where they are in the league and will continue to be there for most of the season. Um, they're they're a great side even without Kevin De Bruyne and um, and who I can't think of, uh, Rodri that they were missing as well. Yeah, yeah. Who is who was a big loss, right? Like, I mean, Rodri for them is yeah is irreplaceable. And, and and going into it, I actually thought you having Rice in the form he's in mm. and them not having Rodri was, was, was going to be significant. But then, and you made a good point, obviously we were speaking beforehand about not having Sacra and Martinelli, Martinelli on either flank was equally a huge, huge loss for you, which might negate that. Yeah, definitely, definitely big losses. The, the other thing that I, I kind of wanted to touch on as well is the fact that if we're, when we've missed those, when we missed those two players, Saka in particular today meant that Gabriel Jesus was out on the right-hand side. And then, mm. then we've gone with Eddie and Ketia up top, and he had a chance. Not was a, a decent chance. I don't know if the XG would be particularly high on it, but he had a good chance and he didn't take it, which is too often the case with Eddie and Ketia. But um, I just that we we Gabriel Jesus is so much more dynamic and links so many more players and brings so many more players into the game when he plays through the middle. He's really good out wide as well, but I just really want to see him in the middle. But obviously, those substitutions impacted that today. Um, not substitutions; those injuries impacted that today, meaning that he was out wide and we and Ketia top, who offered very little again in this game as he did against Spurs as well. Um, yeah, so I, I just think the drop off from Gabriel Jesus to Enketia is is quite big. Um, yeah. And then the in, intrigued to see your your opinion as well with uh, the Kovacic yellows. Um, I'd love to hear your Spurs tinted thoughts on that one. <laughs> tinted thoughts. Yeah. You know what? I'll I'll say it how it is. I thought it should have been a red card for the first tackle. To be honest. Ah okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna back it. I thought it was. It was on the edge, and in real time, it just it just felt an unnecessarily late and high tackle that was dangerous. And when you slow it down, I know we obviously discussed this last week with the with the Spurs Liverpool game, but yeah, he's caught him on the ankle, and that's dangerous play. Mm. It's the same. It's the it's similar logic, uh, in my view. Yeah, obviously, at the time, I was glad he didn't get the red card. <laughs> I was surprised, having gone to a VAR check, that he didn't actually upgrade it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, it didn't really matter with you guys winning in the end. But, no. um, it's but just a strange tackle to make. It, it was, yeah. He's got he's got a little niggly side to him like that. Kovacic actually hasn't he? He's, um, maybe it's that time he spent at Chelsea. It's made him a bit <laughs> probably, nasty. yeah. Um, I 
I, I disagree with you on that one. I thought that when I watched it and they showed the replay, I was like, I think that's a yellow card. And I I can see why you would say it's a red. I do think he 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 does come from behind, but he doesn't take out the player from behind. He, it's a genuine challenge to a genuine attempt to kind of get the ball, but he's very late and he catches him. I, I think that would have been a harsh, a harsh red. However, six and a half minutes, whatever it was later, he then goes and catches Declan Rice. And that was a yellow card as well. So he, he should be off. And this, this is what I ranted about a couple of weeks ago in one of our episodes where it, it's often the case where these players get away with these things and then it comes back to bite you. And um, he obviously stayed on in the second half, which I was really surprised to see. Um, but you, too often I see, you know, th- these kind of players, th- these incidents, that player should be sent off. They they play on. Lo and behold, they get an assist or a goal or they, they make the tackle that wins their team the ball back and set off and their team scores. And it's just like, it just infuriates me that that those decisions can then, that are wrong, then have such a significant impact. Um, So yeah, two yellows was 100%. It was two yellows for me. Um, Yeah. It's um, It's the inconsistency. And I watched the highlights or the short YouTube highlights of the Newcastle West Ham game today. All right. Um, I don't know if you've seen them. I've not seen them. Bruno Gimaraes, who's a top player, I think we all agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he got booked for a tackle where he sort of uh, West Ham player was running and he sort of brought him down. And then about I don't know, a minute later, two minutes later, the exact same tackle, and then he doesn't get booked and doesn't get sent off. And it's like, well, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You're gonna do it once, you have to back it up. This is it. This is it. Do you know what really irked me with this one as well is that um for me, when the Kovacic re- makes that second challenge on Declan Rice, the referee's reaction is instant. It's almost like he has deliberately or, or already made up his mind after giving the first yellow card that his next challenge, I'm not going to send him off, regardless mm. of what he does. And that I, I get that because it, as soon as a player gets a yellow card, you think, oh, he's got to be careful. And you're, you're nervous. And I've been there as a player. You must have been there as a player as well. You think, oh, gosh, let me take it easy for a little bit, not chuck any challenges in because I could go but the thing is if that next challenge is a yellow card it's a yellow card like you yeah. can't you can't put in your own mind and I genuinely believe that that's what Mike I think it was Michael Oliver did today yeah he instinctively just waved it away it's not even like he gave it any thought at all and he's made up his mind his next challenge I know all the Arsenal players and all these fans in the stadium will want him sent off for whatever he does on his next challenge and in in some instances, it won't be a yellow card, but that one today was was definitely, and it just it just really annoyed me, really really did. Um, yeah. But like you said, it was in some ways irrelevant considering the end result, I suppose. Yeah, and it's a funny one because for me personally, and I'm not on names terms for the referees, but I've always thought Michael Oliver was one of the better referees in the league. Um, yeah, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but like like you say, it obviously didn't affect the outcome. And mm. talk talk me through the uh, the scenes in the Murphy household today. Ah, uh, it was that winning goal winning. It was joyous. The, it's been quite obviously quite a warm day today. Why it's so hot at the end of uh, the beginning of October, I don't know. But my mum had actually pulled up outside, and we had the windows at the front of the house open, and uh, she came in. There was a few minutes left, and just started talking to me. And I'm like, Mum, are you? 
you're killing me. <laughs> Arsenal, had, we've we've lost twelve times on the spin. I'm just about to celebrate here, and she's telling she's telling me about something. I was like, oh, uh, she was like, I heard you out from the street, and I was like, <laughs> I was like that's, that's okay, mum. It's fine. Uh, I was cheering. My son came running in as well, and he was like, was it Declan Rice? And I was like, no, it wasn't Declan Rice. He's he just likes the Rice Rice Baby song, and uh, yeah, so it was. It was great. It, uh, and like you said at the beginning, very fortunate, obviously, coming off of, um, uh, I can't think of his name, the Dutch guy. Not a kanji. I can't. Uh, Ake. Ake, that's the one. Nathan Ake came off of him. Very fortunate. But um, I thought um, I thought Kai Havertz did well when he came on, actually, going through the middle. And uh, I'll shout out another listener of ours and friend of ours, um, Luke did mention me, uh, message me in the second half and say, game changer Kai Havertz to come on. And I did have messages before the game saying I would have gone with Kai Havertz up top from uh, another friend. And I could see that's where he's been most effective for us, probably in an attacking mm. sense, Kai Havertz. And he did give us this kind of outlet where Raya went long quite quite a lot late on in the game um a bit like what city did to us um last season where they went really direct and played off of um kevin de bruyne played off of harland a bit old school yeah kind of um a, a old school kind of approach and um uh habits habits did they didn't do too much but i thought his assist for the goal was really good i i was in my mind watching him i'm thinking just bang <laughs> just bang and, like take the shot straight away but he obviously didn't and then laid it off to Martinelli and uh yeah my one of I think he's my favorite player now actually Andy I'm gonna say it. I think I adore him I think he's <laughs> and I and I've been so high on him since he first came in under Emery a few years ago I've I've I just always always thought he's such a good player um and I think he's seen and is really high um but yeah, good, good finish, and I'm just delighted that he's missed quite a few games now. To come back in and get the winner in that game will be, will be amazing. So, and, the, and the squad will be buzzing. There's a lot of Brazilian Portuguese speakers in the in the squad, and he's very popular in that squad, and especially with the fans. So it was a, a popular, a popular goal from a popular player. Really, there we go. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a very um, non-Arsenal goal in a way. It was the long ball up from mm. Partey, Tommy Asu and Havertz, almost the big men up there. It's not a goal that you've become accustomed to seeing from Arsenal. So it's probably, yeah, yeah it maybe Havertz does offer you that presence that can, in games like yeah. this, get you and be the difference. Yeah, that just that alternative, isn't it? it mm. You know, something that's unexpected. City did it to us, like I said. And, you know, they were just pinging Edison just, who's a ridiculous football player and you have to call him a football player not a goalkeeper yeah. because I'm sure he could play in midfield like I'm convinced so like, good. It's, it's ridiculous really um, and yeah they, they, they went direct and picked us off last year I think it was De Bruyne who got the goal so um, yeah delighted and uh, interesting I didn't realise that City and I think I heard it on the commentary during the game that City haven't lost back-to-back games in the Premier League for like five or six years yeah, which is you know years. I think it was you know that that that, that um, term bounce back ability. Yeah, it was then added to the dictionary. That was like a, a bit of a popular, you know, early two thousands, wasn't it? Bounce back ability. You lose you lose a game. Can you go and win the next one? And you know that that that's what they've done for the last five or six years, which is outstanding, really. But that's what you'd expect from such a 
a steak fueled um <laughs> uh i don't even know behemoth of that like them you know they just they just have endless pots of money and bring in player after player for huge sums of money not so much these days but yeah they're just so well invested aren't they yeah they're ridiculous and it's actually yeah. interestingly it's three if you include the EFL Cup, yes. three domestic losses in a row because they obviously lost at Newcastle in the League Cup as well. Yeah, um, and all three of those defeats have been away from home, so they're yes. obviously struggling. And they're just they're taking nothing away from the win. They're still, as you say, an elite side, but mm. there seems to be something just something slightly off with them, in my opinion, this season. Uh, I don't know if it's coming off the back of winning the treble, motivation slightly lower. Mm. In their defence, I remember last season when you guys obviously had a big lead in the league. It, it, it took them a long time for them to just snap into it and just go on a crazy run. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they just generally, you can't even really call them slow starters because they've been top of, up until this weekend. And yeah. You know, they're only two points off the top now. But yeah. And I six, if, six on yeah. the bounce, wasn't it, before Wolves, I think? Yeah. So it's, it's a funny one. But something, yeah. there's something about City, I don't know. it's what's made me think all along that you guys obviously have a really good chance of the title even a Liverpool or dare I say an outlier (laughs) Um, (laughs) I saw that coming in the distance I said he's going to say Spurs for the title Uh, it's funny but then there's I don't know I don't know if you saw it this way but I saw a lot of synergies in your game today with ours at Liverpool last week in so much as both teams have sort of broken a bit of a hoodoo against the team that's had a really good record against them Mm tight game you know yeah. obviously slightly different circumstances but it just has a similar feel there's a real good vibe in North London at the moment absolutely with both both clubs uh, it's definitely um what's the word that um I, I have not explained it like Spurs what's going on there is definitely a lot seems a lot more exciting and the brat, the way you're playing and winning games is a lot more exciting than what Arsenal produced so far. Do you know what I mean? You've kind of got what's what's going on at Spurs at the moment and the way you started the season gives me almost like flashbacks of how it was at Arsenal, this kind of surprise package that we've spoken about and um, uniting the fans and, you know, that, that, that kind of thing and getting those wins and starting the season so well. Um, yeah, that's what I'm getting. There's a lot of parallels between Spurs' start and the, and Arsenal's start of last year at the moment. Yeah. It's interesting because any any time I'm going to get a chance to have a dig at the, the atmosphere and the Emirates, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And obviously towards the end of the game, I'm sure it was absolutely bouncing, but just coming through the TV at least, it didn't feel, it felt there was a, an element of flatness in the crowd. And mm. maybe it's just City come to your place, they keep the ball for ages and actually really hard for a crowd to get involved in a game. Yeah, um, but like you say, maybe this time last year, it would have been a lot more sort of bouncing sort of earlier. And I, yeah. I don't know if, if if that does ladder back to the expectation point that that you sort of raised sort of on the last pod. Yeah, I think so, and I also think I I don't know how you how, the brand of football that um that um, Man City play. I do find it quite sterile. It's a lot. It's not that exciting to watch. And when you know when the game starts. Um, well, when the game started today and they, they dominated possession that first 25 minutes, that does impact the crowd and the crowd need that excitement of, you know, you know from, from and those moments from our players to get them going. Um, I, I do think 
the two players that we mentioned up at the, at the top, Misaka and uh, Martinelli, are types of players that get you on the edge of your seat because they yeah. run and they're direct and they get past and they score, they create, and possibly miss, missing those had an impact on the atmosphere quite possibly and probably made a lot more fans a lot more nervous than they would be without, you know, if you haven't got your star players or your star player in Saka, you do, you are more nervous. So possibly, yeah, I do, I do get that, but I do think um, it, it is hard when City come to, to come to, to play and, you know, they do dominate possession quite often. So no, that I can impact. I get you. But, yeah. And um, so a one nil win, for Arsenal and then a 1-0 win for Spurs as well. Yes, that's right. Obviously, Arsenal sitting in second place, silver medal, obviously Tottenham <laughs> in the top spot at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, look. Um, aren't aren't the records exactly the same? It's crazy. Well, the goal difference, I think we're just ahead maybe on goal scored, maybe, I think. Yeah, the goal um, difference is the same though, right? Yeah, both plus 10, yeah. 20 points each. But you um, scored more. I think we must have scored more for for that to be. The yeah, case. that's because you've only you haven't really played anyone yet. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Arsenal away, Liverpool home. Yeah, that's all. That's well, it's that. actually quite interesting because I suppose both <clears throat> sets of fixtures for your for you guys and for us, we've actually played a, probably a similar amount of. We've both played Man United at home. We've played Liverpool at home. You've played City at home. Um, obviously, we've had the North London derby. Yeah, and I think you've got Chelsea away as your next fixture, yeah, which is a very have, interesting yeah. game. Because um, yeah, they're coming into a bit, bit of form again, aren't they, Chelsea, actually? Yeah, we've actually got them in a few weeks as well. So in, in terms of our the fixtures, it's relatively similar, I'd say, in terms of what we've both had to face. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And Luton yesterday was a very different challenge. Um, I mean, I know you predicted us to sort of cruise to a 5-0 win. I thought yeah. 3-1. I think most people had it down as us winning by at least two goals. Um, yeah, it should have been 5-0 though, right? The way you started the game. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it, look, I, I think you said it previously and having watched Luton now, I think the championship standard, um, they were really poor, really poor. And yeah. they had a couple of chances, second half with the man mm-hmm. advantage, but they're just not a good side. It was like watching a, a throwback, like Sam Allardyce team, which just feels mm. a bit outdated uh, yeah. in, in the league today. So, but look, from our point of view, it was not all plain sailing. We missed a lot of chances in the first sort of ten or fifteen minutes. Should have been outside. Didn't capitalise. Yeah. We're going to talk about Basuma. We've got to talk clear. about. Got to talk about Richarlison. Yeah, he's not the one. He's not the one. You know. <laughs> He's just, he just doesn't do it for me. Um, I mean, the two chances were, I think they're both guilt edge chances. Um, and I really, I want to try and like him and I want to support him and I do support him, but he's struggling and he, he's just, I think he's, you know, a bit like you have Nketiah and you think he's, you probably think he's a really good player, but there's just a level that you, He's not. He's never going to be the level above what's needed to be in a top game to be the difference maker. Yeah, and I get that same sense with Richarlison. Yeah, I get. I, I, I know. I know what you mean. He, the, the chances that he had, that he absolutely should score the first. Like that's really poor, isn't it? That first one. Oh, shit. Um, took it. I think it was Andy Townsend on the highlights that I, I watched after the. I didn't. Uh, I watched two-thirds of the game, but I hadn't actually seen the, the opening 10-15 minutes. Or, 
or so. And uh, he was saying about how he should have gone with with studs, almost like stud the ball in. And I think that's I think he's kind of spot on there because he was he was stretching for it. But goodness me, it's an open goal, and he should absolutely score. Um, the second one, I thought he was a more difficult chance. Do you think? Yeah, maybe because he had to sort of get it out of his feet and sort of get it out, but still got a score for me. Yeah, yeah, it was a good save on that one, but yeah, absolutely should score. And no surprise, he was dragged at half time, right? Yeah, and I think the sending off impacted that. And, and mm-hmm. I suppose we'll talk about the negative side. Um, you know, first off, so obviously the Richarlison misses and his general performance, and then obviously the Basuma sending off, which. Yeah, it's really poor from him, and he's a player that I I rate so highly. He's so important to everything that we do, mm. and we're going to lose him now for the next game, which is Fulham at home. And I think the way it works is uh, he doesn't lose the four bookings that he's on, so he's still now he'll get banned for one game and then still be on four bookings. Meaning, if he gets another booking, he'll get an additional ban. Obviously. Yes, yeah. I was I was talking to a Spurs fan, another listener of ours this weekend, and he he explained the same thing. And I hadn't I hadn't come across that scenario before. I don't think I was thinking that it would was it going to double up. I wasn't sure. But, um, yeah, so he gets that one ban and then remains on four and get could then get another one once he gets his fifth. Exactly. So so the risk for us there is I think we play Fulham at home, which is obviously miss. Be back for Palace away. And then if he was to get booked in that game, he'd then miss Chelsea at home, right. um, which could be significant. So that he's going to be walking yeah. a tightrope in that game when he's back. But Just yeah. such a silly thing to get sent off for, though, right? Yeah, silly. I don't know what's gone through his head. And he didn't. He literally just knew immediately when the ref sort of caught him out on it, he just walked off. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you're thinking, you know, this is the most sort of Spurs thing ever. Draw at the Emirates, beat Liverpool, and then early kickoff chance to go top, and you're going to just throw it away against Luton, having missed a hat for the chances. Yeah. Um, but look, to, to be fair, um, Luton were better second half, but I think them then taking the game to us a bit more actually helped us. And we still had quite a few chances in the second half. And um, yeah, delighted for big Mickey van der Ven. <laughs> um, who I know, you know initially in the early days you weren't initially a fan of but I've got to say he, I think he's an absolutely brilliant player uh, from what I've seen in these eight games he's been almost faultless for us um, so yeah good good first goal for him um, yeah obviously being down to 10 men rel- seeing it out relatively comfortable um, yeah just a good it's always nice isn't it 12-30 game to just get three points in the bag sit back and the fact that we knew we went top as well just a good feeling. It's, it's great. And then you, you kind of got the rest of your weekend, haven't you? It's, it's lovely. You don't have to worry about anything else. Well, you then look at other people's results, but you have your Sunday. You don't have to... Yeah, it is nice. I do like that. I, I get that feeling. And he has... He he was someone that I thought, oh, he looks, he looks a bit sketchy first couple of games uh, along with your goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, he seems to have grown into... into um, into the role at Spurs and seems to have a really good partnership with Romero, which is something that I know you, 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 you're really happy with. Yeah, I think for me, Romero is, I think he's absolutely incredible. I mean, I know I speak and I've been complimentary of Saliba uh, from your side. I mm-hmm. honestly think Romero is, is right up there in the league as top centre-halves. Um, and it, the context here is under Conte, 
we played back three and I think he was exposed a lot more sort of one-on-one and he was very aggressive. Whereas this season in a flat back four with sort of leadership responsibilities, he has been almost, almost faultless because obviously what happened in the North London derby was quite unlucky, I think, on both fronts, but he just bossed the game. And him and him and Van der Ven just seem to complement each other so, so well. Obviously, Romero being the aggressive one, Van der Ven being just absolutely rapid, sweeping everything up. Mm. Um, but he's, yeah. he's really good in the air as well, Romero. Lots of, um, lots of clearances, I, I seem to recall in this game. Headed clearances. Yeah, and it's interesting. So Lionel Messi, um, obviously his sort of Argentinian teammate, has referred to him as the best defender in the world. Who, who's that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, a little note. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he's referred to him as the best defender in the world, and obviously look, there's going to be some slight bias there, Argentinian teammates. But this yeah. year he's been just ridiculous. Um, and look, ultimately they've given us a foundation to build from, and it was key against Luton. But yeah. The more, the more I think about it for us looking ahead in the bigger picture, I'm very interested to see how we get on with what I consider those sort of mid-tier teams or those mid-to-upper-tier teams. So mm. I mentioned we've got Fulham and Palace coming up. Yeah. Those sorts of teams, your West Ham's of this world, even Newcastle, who are obviously very good. Yeah. I think it's those are the games that are going to sort of decide or dictate how we do this season and what our aspirations actually could be. Yeah. Um, there's many big games that you're going to have to play. There's not, it's not just the, the top four anymore, is it? There are your Newcastles, your Brightons, like you said, your West Ham's as well, that, and Villa, another team that are doing yeah. as well. You know, these these are not just um, they're not just the lower teams outside of the. You know, this, this is not like the top ten teams. They're 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 really pressing on. They have some they have some very good players across those 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 teams as well. So I think I think you're right. You're, you, these kind of matches are going to be really important for you. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you guys sort of had a, a draw at home to Fulham, if I remember correctly. I think maybe yeah. you're a bit unlucky with the last minute equaliser. Yeah, absolutely. They um, won that one. You know, these these things can you know can be the difference as to whether you're pushing top four, top six, top eight, because it only takes a few draws or losses, and you can you know any team. We've always said it in the Premier League: anyone can beat anyone, but. It's never really been the case. It was still very rare if a lower league team or a lower sort of team down the table would beat a top team. Whereas yeah. now, it, I mean, anyone in the top what, realistically top fifteen, is it wouldn't be an outrageous surprise if they won against mm. a top team. Yeah, it does happen, doesn't it? It like Wolves last week against City, right? No one saw that coming, and they yeah. picked up that win. Yeah, so um, I think that's going to be the key. And, and, and the other thing for us is um, Son and Madison, just so fundamental to everything we do. And they yeah. both got substituted again, which does make me slightly concerned that they're both car- carrying niggles because mm. the biggest difference, I think, between ourselves and, and yourselves is you've got far better squad depth than us. If we were to lose Madison and or Son, we'd be in real trouble. Um because as we've seen, Richarlison's not quite up to scratch. <laughs> um, you know, Tulisevsky's been excellent, to be fair, um, but doesn't quite post the, the numbers. And I know we discussed this previously that mm. you know a sacker in your team, for example, would would post. Um, so they're really key. And you know, what, I was looking at the Premier League website just before actually. N- Madison's equal number one in the league for assists. Yeah, um, and Son is like second top scorer behind Haaland in the league. So goes to show having a huge influence for us. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're very. And he, his assist for the the goal for Van der Ven was was excellent, wasn't it, Madison? Yeah, silky, classy bit yeah. of play. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't. I might be wrong. You've obviously watched him a lot more for Spurs. Well, in fact, I watched most of Spurs games this season now. But in, I don't really remember him dribbling past too many people. It's more looking for little ones, one twos. Kind of picks up the ball in in really dangerous areas. Can obviously drop deep as well. But he showed like quick feet there and uh, you know dribbled around whoever that defender was. I can't recall. Um, for a good little, and I think it was a quick little stab with his kind of left foot to get the ball across the Van der Ven. So you, don't see, you don't see that too often from him, I don't think. Yeah, you, you associate him with the silks, right? He's got the touch, gets it out of his feet, nice little mm. cross, whip into the top corner, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And just last last point I wanted to make on the game was the actual pitch uh, standard. So it was mm. evident to me that the grass was longer than a typical Premier League pitch and was very, very dry. Um, mm. And I actually think it contributed to our, our missed chances. I think it took, you know, players were overhitting passes, underhitting passes. It was a really, they made it difficult. And I think they're going to do that to a lot of teams, Luton, to sort of suit their longer, their long ball style. Mm. Um but definitely was something I noticed in the game. So sounds um, like a Jose Mourinho tactic from his Chelsea days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, old school. Yeah, just any marginal gains, right? Yeah, definitely. But look, regardless, I mean, I think Luton are going to take a few hiders this season. To be honest, I think they're just yeah, like you said, they're... having seen them now, they are miles off it in my opinion. Yeah, they are. They really are. It, what stood out to me that they were much better in the second half. But if you if you go start playing against 10 men, you should win the game. You know, for that amount of time, you really should win the game. That numerical advantage, you should be able at the top level to make make that numerical advantage count and come away with three points. Um, having said that, I know that's a big ask for a team like them that's just come up, but they were awful in front of goal. Like, <laughs> awful. Ad, Adebayo, the first was, his miss was worse than Richarlison's. I don't know what on earth he was doing going with his right <laughs> leg. That was really, really bad. And then I made notes on the, the last three chances. There was um, a Doughty chance, or Doughty, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, left-footed player, had a couple of opportunities, just smash one wide, um, just poor execution. There was a header um, late on as well. Yeah. And, you know, Woodrow, I think they were actually quite a nice bit of play. One of their centre forwards got hold of the ball and played him in. First touch was terrible, and just you know, your players able to Spurs centre half. I think it was Romero got back in and won the ball. And like these are chances that in the Premier League you absolutely have to convert one or two of them, but they missed all four and were nowhere near with some of them. And it's um, it just just stood out to me that they're that, like you said, and we we both agree they are miles off it. I'd be very surprised if we see them in the Prem next season. And if they go down, I can't imagine they come back up for quite a while. No, I, I mean, I feel confident at this stage from what I've seen to say mm. that Luton and Sheffield United will both be going down to the to the championship. Yeah. So they're both, I just think they're, they're both poor. Um, yeah. And it's quite slightly ironic considering, considering we've, we've actually really struggled to get past both of those two teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I just think over the course of a season, I don't know, they've not got enough. There's not, there's nothing at either end to suggest they're going to stay up. But um, 
But look, we're not talking about the bottom of the league. We're talking about the top of the league. And that's where we are. And I'm buzzing. <laughs> and we're going into an international break. We're eight games in. And uh, look, there's still two two unbeaten teams. And I don't think either of us would have thought in our wildest dreams that when we started this podcast, it would be our two clubs as the only unbeaten number one and number two in the league. No, no way at all. I, I thought this was going to be hilarious for me all season. Spurs struggling with a new manager who's coming from Celtic. And uh, it's just, I can't believe how well it's gone for you so far. Um, <laughs> but, but look, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to just say it, right? When we decided to start this podcast for, ahead of this season, I thought I'm, I'm, I'm really in trouble here because from your point of view, you guys are flying, you're on the up, you could win the league. You still could comfortably win the league. Um, but I thought it was going to be a disaster for me. But so mm. far, we've come up trumps. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. In the scenario that I can't even bring myself to go there, that you do win the league, there won't be a pod that weekend. <laughs> Just putting it out there. I don't blame you, mate. And likewise, <laughs> if this if this balloon of yours, bubble of yours doesn't burst soon, uh, yeah, I, the, the same will apply. Can you can you actually imagine if we're still in a similar situation going into the next North London derby? What I mean, oof, yeah, I can't, even, I can't even go there to be honest. Nah. Or if there were eight instead of eight games gone, there's eight games to go, and we're talking the same way. Can you imagine that? That would be yeah. just carnage. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of football to play. Yeah. But um, yeah, look, uh, look, congrats on the on a big win, breaking your hoodoo against City. Yeah, it's a win uh, for football. <laughs> It's a win, that's the thing. I kind of semi agree with you, yeah. but then um, yeah, just rather it wasn't Arsenal, right? Couldn't it be uh, Luton Town or something instead? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's always nice to see the that yeah, like you say, a state-owned team with limitless pots of cash to just be brought down a peg or two. Yeah, it's got to be done. There we go. Yeah, pleasure as always. North London belongs to us, mate. It does. Well. Well, more, more Spurs at the moment, more Spurs, but you're not far off. Just. Let's <laughs> <laughs> to the next one, mate. All right, all the best. Take care. Bye-bye.